This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Zan Dixon. And I'm Katerie Zuni. Tonight, we celebrate intergenerational learning between GJ youth and people who have paved the way for leadership. We will hear about the work of Gloria Tristani, former FCC commissioner and former commissioner for the New Mexico State Corporation Commission, who speaks with youth producer Ariana Cordova. We also have some community events for you to enjoy over the holiday season, and we've chosen some great music. That's right, starting with the classic, this will be an everlasting love by Natalie Cole. Gloria Tristani was born and raised in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and is a graduate of Barnard College of Columbia University. She earned her Juris Doctor at the UNM School of Law and has served as a member of the Federal Communications Commission, better known as the FCC. Now, 16-year-old GJ Youth producer Adriana Cordova speaks with Gloria Tristani about her journey to serve as an FCC commissioner and her advice for young women of color. This is Ariana Cordova with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Gloria Tristani, former FCC commissioner, former commissioner for the New Mexico State Corporation Commission, and a winner of the Edward R. Roybal Award for Outstanding Public Service. Gloria, welcome back to Generation Justice. Thank you. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So tell us more about yourself and your career. I guess... Uh, the first thing is I'm a lawyer, and I became a lawyer later in life. I was in my 30s, uh, but I thought it was really important for myself as a woman to um, have professional credentials, and um, and the law a degree and the study of the law gave me those credentials and gave me the opportunity to be able to help my community, my state, and uh, the nation. And what was your journey to becoming an FCC commissioner? Uh, <laughs> it was a pretty pretty long journey, but um, um, I think it began, um, and I have to mention my grandfather, the late Senator Dennis Chavez, uh, and the, the strong presence of his life when I was growing up, although he died when I was nine years old, my mother made sure that, that we knew that my grandfather had not only served but that he had he had served with a passion to help his fellow New Mexicans and uh, and his fellow Americans and the world and uh, so I in the back of my head I always had this you have to 
go into public service and, and help your fellow human beings. So then I studied law here at UNM at the University of New Mexico School of Law when I was in my 30s. I graduated in 1990 and I practiced law for a few years and then I decided to run for the New Mexico State Corporation Commission and by the way became the first woman to ever be elected to that body. I, um, I defeated a male incumbent. Um, very proud of that. I'm very proud of that because everybody told me that as a woman I could not uh, win. This was in 1994. They told me a woman will not be able to win that seat. And I just thought, you know, if you have the credentials, if you have the education, and that's what I meant by credentials, uh, and you have the passion to serve and to help, you can do it. And, and, I, and I won. And that uh, commission at the time regulated telecommunications. And I was there for about two and a half years. I, um, I did what I thought was very good consumer work. And President Clinton picked me in in 1997 to uh, to go to the FCC, and I was surprised by by the call from the White House, and I initially did not want to leave New Mexico. You know, this is a beautiful state. This is where I was serving, but you get a call from the from your president, and it's hard to say no. And I'm glad I went. I'm very glad. So I went in 1997, and. Um, very, very proud to serve there and, and very humbled to serve there and to serve in a time, I'm going back to 97, but already in 97, the internet was in full development and telecommunications was changing in a radical way. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's wonderful. And uh, what were some of the issues that you championed during your time as an FCC commissioner? Um, the first and, and foremost issue was to make sure that uh, with this new internet, that people were able to connect to the internet. You know, a lot of people thought, well, why should everybody be able to connect? That's the technology of the future. And I thought early on that this was going to be a technology that we were all going to be using and that was going to become essential uh, to our livelihoods. And uh, so a big, big um, a program that I pushed was called a, then the E-Rate for Education Rate, the Schools and Libraries program that aimed to connect every classroom in the United States to the internet. Um, and so that was that was very important. Also very important to make sure that rural communities um, uh, were equally connected, not only to the internet, but just to the plain old telephone service back then. We used to call it POTS, plain old telephone service, POTS. And to that they had good wireless connectivity. And of course, that all of this be affordable. That, that was a big part of my, of my agenda was that these services have to be affordable. It's of no use if, um, if actually you have them available if people can't afford it. So affordability, uh, connecting students all over the nation to the Internet, but particularly students in the neediest schools, um, making sure that rural communities and Native American communities uh, were fully connected to the technology of then. And um, it's still, I mean, it was my issue goodness, almost 22 years ago, it's still a fundamental issue now. Things uh, things change, but they don't change. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And during your journey, what lessons have you learned that you would want other Latinas or women of color to know? Um, I think it's, it's critical that um, a, a lot of people helped me in my career going forward. And... Um, and, but it's it's really kind of critical to have role models. And in my case, 
I was very lucky. I had a role model right in my family, my my grandfather, who was also my godfather. But role models are very important because if you see someone that has struggled against incredible odds to make or not struggle, who has made it, um, my grandfather kind of out of nothing, uh, became a U.S. senator, and he he didn't even complete school, but he went to law school. You see things like that, then you think, well, I've had it pretty well. Why, just because I'm a woman, that, that that's not going to stop me from being elected. So it's really important to have role models. So the next thing, what, what goes with that is when you achieve something, then it's really important to give back to your community, to reach out to others and let them know you can also do it. And one of the things I I really enjoyed uh, when I was New Mexico State Corporation Commission, and I did this at the FCC, but not as much as I would go, go all over the state speaking to young people, uh, even girls stayed, and um, letting them know you too can do it, but you're going to have to work hard and uh, you're going to have to get as educated as you can, because um, you know they can take they can take a lot of things from you, and you can lose your house and lose money, but they cannot take away your education, Absolutely. and that's fundamental. Mm-hmm. Last time we talked about your amazing grandfather. Today, I'd love to hear more about your grandmother and your mother and how they've influenced you. My grandmother and and I'm going to share something that might be funny, but when I would tell her when I was little, oh, I want to grow up and be a senator like my grandfather, and she'd look at me and she'd say, well, she'd say, well, why don't you marry one? She was of that generation when they could not conceive that. Mm-hmm. My mother was a total opposite, and my mother was was a housewife, so she didn't she didn't run for office, but I think if she'd been born 20 years later, she would have. Mm-hmm. But she was like. My mother was like, you can do anything, you can be anything. And she was very much her father's daughter and believed that it was really important to serve mm-hmm. and and to give to people. And, and she had a quality that I think my grandfather had, um, which was she loved all kinds of people. She was just as comfortable talking to the hoi polloi as talking to, you know, uh, the person at the grocery store that was helping her. Or, I mean, she was just one of those people that she felt comfortable with everybody. And I hear that about my grandfather, that, that you know, he, he loved people and that's why he loved to serve. So, so it's also really important to respect all your fellow human beings, even if they're different uh, in any way, shape or form. That's really important to respect that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what advice do you have for young women interested in law and policy? First, and I've said this several times, but you have to strive to get the best education you can. That's that's one. Uh, look for the role models because they will help you through the difficult times. Mm-hmm. If you think you're having it tough now, I mean, there's some amazing women who, who overcame odds, who did things when uh, women couldn't even step into schools to get educations, and they they stride beyond all um, odds. Um, uh, Not to be afraid, uh, whether you're running for office or in a position where you think you should be in a better position, to to demand and to go for what might seem a difficult goal. Um, I think it's easy for women, I mean, it happens to men as well, but more for women to get kind of, scared away from doing things. Another piece of advice I give is there's never the right time to do things. A lot of I've I've advised a couple women to them they say no it's not the right time and I'm saying if you if you check for that perfect time 
it's not going to be there. So you have to you have to go um, when you're ready to go and not be scared. Um, you're going to have to work very hard. You're going to have to work harder than than men. Still, the world has changed, and it's wonderful to have a Congress that has so many women. But you're still going to have to work harder. Uh, and but I think one of the most important things is you cannot let the naysayers or those who still treat you like you're a young girl, even though you're a, a whole fully percent Wonder Woman, uh, you cannot let that bother you. You just have to kind of flush it aside and not let it bother you. And I, I'm reminded of, of, of a quote that um, from Eleanor Roosevelt, who um, who had it pretty tough as a woman and as a, and as a wife of a very um, beloved and powerful president, but she was quite a woman. And she said, a woman in politics has to have the skin of a rhinoceros mm. and not let it bother you. You just, you soldier on. What were you like at my age? Uh, <laughs> not as serious as you are. <laughs> I, um, I actually, I, I was a very, um, I think, relatively happy teenager. And, uh, and I wasn't um, yet seriously involved in politics. Now, I, I did read a lot. My friends used to call me, I grew up in Puerto Rico, instead, the term isn't bookworm. They called me a come libro, which means that you literally eat the books. And they called me that because they were mad. You know, I wouldn't go play and I'd be come libro. But, um, you know, it's important to read. And it's important to read history. We really need to read history. I never tire. I mean, I'm 65 years old and I am still reading history and finding out things that I didn't know. And I'm very smart. By the way, let me add one thing that I forgot to, to say. Women, when, uh, when we're out there, we tend not to brag about ourselves because we've been taught not to do that. Mm-hmm. If you're smart, if you're accomplished, and you're on the government track or the political track, you need to let people know. Because no one else is going to say it as as well as you, and no one else may say it. So you got to tell them, I'm smart, I'm educated, I'm committed, I'm passionate. That's Mm -hmm. really important. Thank you. What do you hope for young women of color like myself? I'm very, very hopeful about the future. uh, Because I see, even in these very troubling and... um, hateful times, and I say hateful because there are those in power, and I don't have to say names, that inspire hate every day, that condone hate and racism, and call people animals. Even in these very, very hateful times, I see a new generation, and not just a new, but older, and a new generation of people that are so much more accepting of the differences in uh, between us, whether they're ethnic, because they're sexual orientation, whatever they may be. And uh, so I, I'm very, very hopeful. Having said that, boy, if women have it hard, uh, women of color have it harder. Mm-hmm. And that, But that's just part of the drill. So again, I'm, I'm very much of the mindset, you cannot let it impact you negatively. You just got to soldier on. And uh, I see a very, very bright future, but you have to fight for it. It's wonderful to hear. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I'm very grateful that that I have been in public service, serving government and, and also worked for nonprofits, and that I've had the opportunity to, to help my fellow human beings. And I think there is really no greater satisfaction um, than to 
and to be able to help uh, your community. And, and some people help as doctors, some people help as nurses, uh, but there's a real, real important place for for people helping government uh, or in nonprofits or in community organizing. I was very blessed. I grew up, I was privileged, um, but I did study hard. I did take advantage of, of you know, the educational tools of a loving family. Um, but uh, while I grew up privileged, um, I knew that the most important thing is to make sure that your fellow human beings have those same opportunities. And human, you know, in this world we live in, we don't all have the same opportunities. Uh, so I think it's incumbent on all of us to reach behind to our sides, ahead, and keep helping fellow human beings so that they can have opportunities and equal their greatest potential and then be able to help others as well. Mm -hmm. Of course. I just wanted to thank you again for taking the time to come and speak with me again. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's it's been delightful to be here. Thank you. Gracias. For Generation Justice, this is Ariana Cordova. Thank you, Gloria, for coming out to talk to us about your experiences and hopes for the future, and for talking about the challenges that come with being a woman and a woman of color at that. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom. Thank you, Gloria. It was really an honor to meet you and to hear about your journey to the FCC and the work that you've done to clear the path for women of color in leadership. And thank you to Adiana Cordova for a great interview. Coming up next is You Gotta Be by Desiree, a song that captures the message Gloria shared with us, followed by Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow by Fleetwood Mac. You know what time of day it is, Katie. I sure do. It's time for another community calendar. What's the first event we have? Well, first, we have the rapid and confidential HIV testing happening on Tuesday, December 24th, and it's open to all in the community. That sounds like an important resource. Where is it? It's going to be at UNM's LGBTQ Resource Center at 1919 Las Lomas Boulevard, Northeast. For more information, visit Empower Albuquerque on Facebook 
Empower is a non-traditional HIV education and prevention program serving young gay, bisexual, questioning men and transgender individuals. Thank you, Zen. So what else is happening this week? Later that day on December 24th, from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., there will be a Luminaria set up at Washington Middle School, hosted by the Reynolds Edition Neighborhood Association, or Rana, you know, like Piranha. That's right. This annual display has been happening for years in Albuquerque's historic Washington Middle School Park. For more information on this holiday tradition, you can visit the Reynolds Edition Neighborhood Association on Facebook. What else do we have? So next Sunday on December 29th, there will be an event hosted by Soul Harvest Ministries, who will gather to provide food and clothing for those who are less fortunate in Albuquerque. The event is called Serving Sunday, and it's happening at Soul Harvest Ministries, located at 217 Iron Street Southwest in Albuquerque. Any folks who would like to volunteer can contact Soul Harvest Ministries on Facebook or simply arrive at the event between 1.30 p.m. and 1.45 p.m. Now, Zan, tell us more about these next songs coming up. Well, first we'll hear the funky tune Soul Man by Sam and Dave, and then a classic by Eric B. and Rock Him. I know you got soul. Welcome back to our lovely community calendar. We've got two upcoming film events happening. First is a special screening of Witness at Tornillo, hosted by the Medicine Drum Circle. The film tells the story of a man from Brooklyn who sat alone in the West Texas desert, who witnessed the injustice of family separation and child imprisonment. Folks can catch this film screening on Sunday, January 5th at the Guild Cinema, located at 3405 Central Avenue in Knob Hill. For more information, call 505-255-1848. Our next film screening is part of the Pan-African Film Series, hosted by the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. On Saturday, January 11th, they will screen Cuba Defending Socialism. The screening happens at Highland High School, located at 4700 Cole Avenue Southeast. Each event in the Pan-African Film Series includes group discussions of revolutionary movies related to the struggle for African liberation, and snacks are provided. The event will be from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. For more information, you can contact the All-African 
People's Revolutionary Party, New Mexico, on Facebook. That's it for our community calendar. Now, here's Border Song by Elton John, followed by Pain by De La Soul, featuring Snoop D-O-double-G. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of intergenerational community action. And we'd like to thank our guest, Gloria Tristani, for sharing your inspirational path to leadership. Tonight's Hour of Radio was produced by Katie Zuni and Roberta Royal. And thank you to our interviewer, Ariana Cordova, and our certified engineer, Barbara Ramirez. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers, because we could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud and iTunes. We are active on social media, so find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the Cone Alma Health Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Generation Justice would like to remind you that this program was broadcast on stolen Tiwa land. Our opening song is Youth of a Nation by P.O.D. Our last songs of the night include The Greatest by King, Las Mujeres by Ila Bamba, I'm Zan Dixon. And I'm Kateri Zuni. Coming up, on KUNM is spoken word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good, Good night, night, New Mexico. Mexico.